Hey friends, welcome to the podcast, Highways and Hedges. Uh, Highways and Hedges is the podcast for the ministry Agros. Agros exists to find, train, and support small town pastors in northeast Kansas and northwest Missouri. And today on the podcast, I have a pastor from northwest Missouri. So I'm doing (laughs) Agros ministry today. This is my good friend, Ricky Sands. Hi, Ricky. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Ricky, is. uh, you want to tell us where you pastor? Yeah, so I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church uh, in Weston, Missouri, yeah. just uh, just across the river from you. Yes, that's so, right. 20-minute uh, yeah. drive, uh, if you don't get lost in Weston, which I do every time. So <laughs> Do you really? I do. Like I, I know. <laughs> I just always turn too soon, and then yeah. I now have to go all the way around to the west uh, stoplight and drive my way back to find stuff in town. Oh, I, man. Yeah, that's bad. I'll, take you, I'll have Sorry. to take you on a tour. Yeah, again, I, I know. Again, it'll be the second time, and I still... Uh, the first question I want to ask Ricky before we get to our actual topic is important. Ricky, why do you like nasty, expensive coffee? I'm actually offended by that. Um, <laughs> Good. That well, needs to happen. I want it on the record that you're offended. Nasty, because... <laughs> expensive coffee. So we were discussing that you have broken taste buds. <laughs> That's true. That's what the problem is. Um, telling me that my, my coffee that I labored over <laughs> to the Lord's glory tastes like melted butter across your tongue. Yeah, it does. I'm sorry. I can't. I was, I was trying like to look at, at like, it so I could tell. <laughs> okay, it's dark. That's good. Sometimes this expensive yeah. coffee is really thin. It looks like green bean juice, it's, but it's, at least yours isn't that. It's actually a light roast, too. Is it really? It is. It's an Ethiopian I know light, that means more caffeine. So From Noble Coffee Roasters. Noble. So How um, ignoble of me to challenge that. But just really short answer to that is my taste buds are not broken, so that's why. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, Ricky, thanks for doing this with me. Yeah. I want to use this podcast. Um, the big idea is to preview a message that was given at the Agros conference November 7th, so it's just, or 6th, it was 6th, wasn't it? Anyway, I'm terrible with early things. November. Yeah. Um, to encourage anybody listening to the podcast to go back and listen to that message. So that's kind of what I'd like to do is just mm-hmm. let this be an encouragement. Um, that's on the Agros website. Um, so we're going to be putting up the different messages over the next couple of weeks. And the Agros website, if you've got a pen, is agrosministry.wixsite.com forward slash KSMO. <laughs> you have all that memorized? Yeah, I do now because I've told so many people. It's a horrible <laughs> website URL. But yeah, you could go there and listen to it. And I'd like to encourage people to do that because we were served really well by the men who prepared these messages yeah. and would just like to promote the work that they did um, to serve us that day and let it continue serving people who couldn't come to the conference. Or even I was blessed listening back through it to prepare for this podcast. So even if you're listening to this and you did come to the conference, I'd say come. Um, but even before we get to that, the, that message, Ricky, if there was only one thing that you could have had at the conference that made it worth you sacrificing an entire day to come over there and fellowship with us for eight or nine hours, we were over there together. Mm. What's just from the conference overall, give a plug for an Agros conference. What was one thing you'd say, yeah, this was the, this made it all worth it. I think it's just probably gathering with, brothers that are in similar contexts, you know, uh, I think something that we, we often forget is that when we are laboring in small towns and little churches, uh, it can be somewhat isolating, yeah. you know, um, and I'm, I'm a fan of 
conferences. I know you guys are going to T4G in April. I've been to many conferences that go, and my, my soul is always nourished. I'm always walking away satisfied um, and with a, a renewed faith and uh, zeal for the Lord and passion for the gospel. But there's something different about coming together with brothers who I can sit across the table from and hear their stories and know that we are experiencing similar things in a similar context. Yeah. Um, and to know that just we're not alone yeah. in this in this work that seems small but is eternal yeah. and, and big. Yeah, so. that's right. Um, I just... To follow that up real quick, um, comparing the Agros conference to other conferences, sure. you can tell me if you think this is fair or not, but comparing it to like a T4G, it, it wasn't as um, high-end, like content, rich, rich content heavy. It was sure. it was ordinary pastors gathering together. Yeah. How would you compare though? So let, I, I just think it's important to admit we're not as high, like a high scale or high end as we're not focusing as much on the, the content. You're saying it's actually the gathering of people who are like-minded and in similar contexts. Yeah. How would you compare the experience as far as the encouragement walking away? Sure. You know, I think that, I think you had mentioned content. Um, when you're at a larger conference like that, you know, most of what you're, you're getting is it's the power of God's word, yeah. which is amazing. Right. Yeah. So that's going to be even what we're going to talk about here. Of yeah. The hidden treasure of God's word. But yeah, you know, so that's, that's where you're getting most of that. And usually when you're going to a conference, you're taking a group of, you know, brothers and sisters, yeah. if you will, to, um, to go and then you'll you together will maybe unpack that you'll talk about the impact that it has versus where you're you're here you're kind of experiencing all of that uh in real time together if yeah. that makes sense um you know there's not a, a disconnectedness from the speaker to the people mm-hmm. um you know nobody's rushing the, the platform after it's over <laughs> to take pictures get signatures and, and thank them for the biggest book but you're you're sitting down and we're having a meal afterwards yeah. and uh you're able to with the person you know the ordinary pastor if you will that uh you're, you're unpacking some of those ideas with them together mm-hmm. you know and taking the the application from the message uh, to the dinner table, yeah, and you're able to expand on that a bit more. So I think that that's probably the biggest, the biggest difference is there's difference. There's a real connected fellowship that you're able to have that in these larger conferences, which serve their purpose and are really good. Yeah, um, you just you're not able to have that. Right. That's I guess what was just as you were sharing it. What was striking to me was, um, again, let's affirm we we love conferences that are that are different from the Agros conference. We're not pitting them against each other. But what was striking to me was my encouragement was pretty similar. Yeah. We recently went to the conference at the seminary you and I both have been to. Yeah. And um, I felt really encouraged after that. And they had really great speakers and a large number of people came and, you know, the, the a much higher end production. But I felt pretty similarly encouraged walking away from the Agros conference where we had less than 50 people gather. Yeah. And um, some some of the speakers were just bivocational pastors. You know, they didn't, yeah. didn't even have a full week of work to prepare their message. Right. Um, and so I, I think what I I'm, I'm, would love to encourage people is even if you're listening to this and well outside the region that Agros is focusing on, gathering with other believers to intentionally fellowship around the word of God can do so much and you don't need 
Yeah. You don't need a ton of resources to make that a rich time of encouragement. Right. You know, that, yeah. that makes, that's just a great way to, yeah. um, to stir one another, one another up to love and good works. Yeah. <clears throat> a willing heart, a Bible and a hymn book. Yeah. You know? the, the hymn, the singing was so good. So, that was so it great. Was. To have. You know, and comparatively speaking, to larger conferences that we've been to, you know, uh, the singing was beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's like you you get people together who love the Lord and can carry a tune. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's a beautiful moment. That's always one of my favorite aspects of any yeah. gathering is yeah. just being able to sing to the Lord I know with other saints. Um, you mentioned the title of this message that we'd like to promote now. It's called The Hidden Treasure of God's Word, um, one of... Uh, my friends, a pastor over in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, Matt Basil, prepared and gave this message to us that day. Um, so maybe before we discuss any quotes from it, Ricky, why do you think, um, well, first give a quick summary of what you think the message was. That doesn't have to be long. Sure. Just like what, what was he talking about? The hidden treasure of God's word. And then why do you think that's particularly suited for small town ministry? Is, is that neglected in small town ministry or um, is that... Um, yeah, what, what what would make that really useful to um, small town pastors in our region? Sure. You know, I've spent the last couple of years in the city, right? So I was in St. Joe for a while, which is, it's kind of a glorified small town. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little bit larger. Yeah. But then going to Overland Park, you know, when there's between 600 and 700,000 people, yeah. you know, in a church nearly on every corner, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then coming back here it's been interesting to be in a small town now with a, uh, where I'm seeing some of the the temptation that you, you see it's rampant in, in larger churches or in churches in larger cities uh, uh, kind of astray from the foundation of the word of God what mm. is the purpose of our gathering together on, the, on, mm. on a Sunday morning uh, which is to hear from the word of God through uh, a set apart man who's called to preach the gospel week in and week out um, to draw and stir the draw people nearer to the Lord for for them to apply the implications of the gospel in their lives um, to be sent out to be missionaries in their communities neighborhoods mm-hmm. workplaces um, something that Matt touches on is the temptation I think he what quotes Colossians 2 I'm sure we'll get to some of this later of just uh, the temptation to stray and yeah. to lean into worldly wisdom. And you see that more in larger cities. Uh, and I think it's just because, um, you know, in a city center like Overland Park, for example, you're having a lot of people who come in. We saw this, we see this all, all throughout the New Testament. We've been walking through the book of Acts this past year, and the larger the city it seems, the more they give way to idolatry. Um, and the more commerce a city is, it seems, because of the transient traffic yeah. and ideas that come in, yeah. um, the more uh, paganism and idolatry is prevalent. Yeah. Uh, but what I've been seeing in the last year and some months since coming here is that is now trickling into the small town. Mm-hmm. And so Matt, while he doesn't mention some of that, I think I can bring a little bit of that contrast into that and go... I've actually been steeped in some of this from the city, and yeah. now I'm having conversations with my people yeah. and my little church of 50 to 60 people about some of the challenges that they're facing at work or their kids at school, yeah. um, you know, and some of the, the ideology that's coming out. And so we come back to the foundation of 
the word of God and its its power and its sufficiency um, to accomplish that which it purposes, as yeah. Isaiah prophesies, yeah. you know, in Isaiah 55. And so it's important for every town, every city, every church, uh, but in particular, uh, small towns. I, I don't want to be careful how I say this, but it's easier to be weaker, if you will, because we don't have the resources yeah. uh, that larger cities have. Yeah. But we have the one resource that God has given right. us, which is His exactly. God-breathed Word, which is sufficient for uh, life and ministry. Yeah. And, and almost our desperation highlights that. Yes. The fact that we lack resources actually makes us either have to cash all of our chips in on God's Word yes. or nothing. Yes. So there's a unique opportunity yes. if we have the faith to see it. Yeah. To make like yeah, yeah I shared God, yesterday. Nothing. In in yesterday's sermon, uh, we were preaching through. I took a large chunk, Acts twenty four, twenty five, and twenty six. Woo! Uh, you know, kind of did an overview of what was happening there. But we get to King Agrippa, and Paul is just giving this powerful gospel proclamation, and he asks him the most important question to King Agrippa, and it's, "Do you believe? You know, I know you believe the prophets uh, and the Old Testament law." And King Agrippa looks at him and he says. Paul, do you think in such short time you would persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul says, yes. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and my word to the, the congregation was, brothers and sisters, I don't just believe in the sufficiency of the word of God and the power of God unto salvation. I am counting on it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, that's what the word is. Yeah. It's our foundation. We have, to, we have to cash everything in on this. We're staking eternity on it. Yep. Yep. That was, that was the gist of Matt's message was God's word is not just, uh, effective for what we want it to do. It's not one of the tools in our tool belt, but it's gloriously sufficient. It's the only thing. It's the, it's so useful that it should be the only tool we're relying on for ministry. And my, I, I assigned all the topics. And so that was my burden in asking for this to be one of the messages for pastors in our region yeah. is to specifically address the, um, the, the fear and inadequacy that we can feel that Satan will use to dull our faith in God's word because our churches are smaller and we have fewer resources. Maybe we have fewer hours a week or a bivocational pastor, or maybe we didn't go to a seminary and get formal training. And so it's just easy to use all those measurable things to think we're not a real church. We're mm -hmm. like, we're the B yeah. string. We're not the actual church. Yeah. Um, and then to start trying to incorporate those things as much as we can, you know, we'll, we'll try to do what big churches do so we can get big and actually move away from the only place where we have treasure. Yeah. And so my burden was let's encourage pastors in our region to give up all mm. of the worldly measures of, or worldly tools of success. Yeah. Cash in all your chips, put all your money in the, you know, in this one, all your eggs in this basket, God's word. Yeah. Use our, our lack of resources or our, our what, you know, let any, in any way that we have less than the city. Mm -hmm. If that causes any kind of fear or desperation, cast it on God's word. Yeah. Don't try to, grab things from the world and use a, just a little bit of that human wisdom or human strategies. Sure. And, and I felt like Matt knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. I loved that. And he did such a good job of not going into, I would say, explicit details of some of the things that, because yeah. it can be easy for it to become bashing, I guess, if you mm -hmm. will. But Matt mm -hmm. did a great job of just talking about the worldly wisdom without 
you know, by upholding the word of God and saying this is what we're for. Yeah. You know, which in and of itself will tell you what we ultimately are against, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And his, yeah. his t- talk, more than any of the, we had four sessions of teaching that day, and his was so dense biblically. I mean, <laughs> yes. it was like, I think more than 50% of the words that came out of his mouth was just him reading or quoting scripture. Yes. It was just so yes. much Bible, and that's a great example he of exactly say, what we were saying. He did say that would be his text. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the sufficiency of God's word, the hidden treasure of God's word, so I'm just going to let my Bible be the text. <laughs> that's right. My text today is... Genesis through Revelation. Please right. open up to page one of your Bible. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so what, the way I'd like for us to try to promote some of the things he talked about was just to share a few of our favorite quotes and discuss them. So mm-hmm. do you have one ready or do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay. So the first quote I'd like to share um, was later on in Matt's message, uh, probably even getting closer to the end. But he's commenting on, I believe this is First Corinthians. It could be actually Second Corinthians at this point. Um, okay. talking about the veil that lies over unbelievers' eyes mm. um, at one time, or in 1 Corinthians, the way that Paul talks about it is that the Word of God looks like foolishness to the world. Yes. So here's what Matt said. Okay, here's the conclusion. God's Word often looks weak. Human wisdom often looks strong. God has designed it that way because he has won his weakness to defeat men's strength. And so he says, don't get puffed up with yourself. God doesn't want or need flashy men full of themselves. God doesn't want or need a new program or a new this or a new that. God doesn't want or need us to go along with the world to save people. We don't need to do anything different. We need to take that which looks like it's completely powerless against what the world wants and use that. God wants men who are willing to use his foolishness to defeat the world. Because he doesn't want us to boast in ourselves. We could design all sorts of things that we think would be wise and, and practical and will advance God's kingdom. But God says, no, set yourself aside. You're nothing. Use what I gave you, even when it seems completely foolish and powerless. Use that and see what I do, because then I'll show myself strong. That was yeah. just a fantastic highlighting the, the challenge that I think our faith is asked to, to embrace. Mm-hmm. God designed. Yeah his word to look foolish mm-hmm. and knows that the world's wisdom looks strong in comparison. Mm-hmm. And then just the encouragement to embrace wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to look foolish. I was told it's going to look yeah. foolish. And just, I, again, when I've been using the language, like put all your, you know, cash in all your chips on this, put all your eggs in one basket, just lifted my faith up, built my faith yeah. up. And yeah, it cannot take into account any, uh, what looks foolish to my eyes that can't be counted as a con against using more of God's word in my ministry and in my preaching and those kind of things that God wants it to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, in that same context, the wisdom of God is folly to those who are perishing. And just that, that idea you talked about how, well, the passage talks about, uh, the unbelieving's eyes have been veiled. And they can't, they can't understand it. And so I think the temptation is to stray from it and try to make some kind of connection in worldly wisdom. I think he even says, uh, he talks about in his, in the sermon about well-meaning, you know, sometimes we can, we can say the word of God is sufficient, but 
but we need this. Yeah. Whether it's a philosophical ideology or it's a new program at church, you know. Um, but he comes back to that idea that God designed it. That what seems like foolishness, the appearance of foolishness, mm-hmm. Paul writes to the Corinthians, is is ultimately what Paul writes to the Romans. Yeah. Is the the power. Uh, unto yes. salvation. That's right. And that faith then comes by hearing. And mm-hmm. it's when that veil then is removed from our eyes, we're able to accept and to see it for the wisdom that it truly is in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, and the particular focus this part of his message takes is on the arrogance of the preacher. Yes. That he's trying to humble mm-hmm. the preacher. And you and I both know personal examples of pastors who have rised to popularity and then sure. crashed and burned. That's part of your, mm-hmm. even your experience in ministry um, yeah. was with a pastor that that happened to. And we've both been listening to that podcast about the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Yeah. And we're seeing that um, at least highlighted by our culture. If not, maybe it's starting to happen more and more. There's kind of a race to popularity. How yeah. do you feel like what Matt was teaching there, just kind of explain how does that humble us? Why does the way God has designed it lead to God saying, set yourself aside, you're nothing? Yeah. How does how does that humble the pastor? Well, I, th- I think what it, in some ways I think it takes the, the pressure off uh, from you to want to be eloquent or crafty, yeah. but allow the word of God to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that and the Holy Spirit's guiding that you you don't elaborate on what something means uh, and you don't drive home points like, you know, I've become a pointed guy. So it's like, here's my three points I would like for us to take away mm-hmm. today. You know, those are obviously fallible. They're not um, they're not God breathed. Yeah. You know, but by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and, and his power to illuminate minds through the process of prayer, mm-hmm. meditation, you know. And, and writing and study and, and all of that. Like, you, you are going to elaborate on it, but the Word of God ultimately speaks for itself. And so, um, understanding that what is going to be taken away from the sermon, regardless of how well you craft your outline, uh, it's, it's God who is going to do the work there. Yeah. So you can set aside that pressure, I think. I know in my heart, right, you talk about my the background and the experiences that I've had and listening to the rise and fall, I, I, I wrestle, I think, weekly in my own heart to want to just hit a home run every single Sunday. You know, it's like it's this is the sermon that's going to, you know, revive Weston. Mm-hmm, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. they're going to come in here in droves. They're going to flock to this church because because I'm here and I've preached the best sermon ever, you yeah. know, but it's like it's oftentimes through those sermons that uh, I had a, a, a long week of pastoral care and shepherding and visitation and hospital visits. And I'm I'm writing my sermon Saturday evening that the Lord has used mm-hmm. to you'll, you know, you get the most kind of reaction from where people are like, wow, the Lord was really with you. Well, I didn't. Yeah, it's because I had to really, really lean into him because yeah. I had a few hours to, to prep a sermon this week. I didn't have, you know, my day of reading, my day of uh, note-taking, my day of then writing, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so right. I think it just, it takes off, it just, re- it humbles us because it just reminds us that it's not our power, it's his. Yeah, right. I feel like um, 
you're right, removes that burden um, and then also highlights a, a sin that I think is in all of our hearts that, and one of the lies that Satan uses to disguise that sin is that when we're preaching or just anything in pastoring, but particularly that public aspect that could go on YouTube and you could go viral and those mm-hmm. kind of things, um, what Satan's disguising there is you start to feel like people are being attracted to me Sure. It's my personality or the way that I can phrase things. Mm-hmm. It's my passion in the pulpit. That's actually what's pulling people to sure. me. Yeah. And so we start to try to magnify those aspects of our public ministry. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to get people here because I'm any of those things. Whatever whatever I yeah. find that people have an appetite for, whether it's intellectual or it's yeah. a dynamic personality or it's being loud in yes. the pulpit or you know those those are all Mm-hmm. superficial distractions from I yeah. want the burden of my ministry yeah. to be people kind of forgot who I was when the yes. sermon was happening Yes, because the Bible, God's word yeah. their interaction with the Lord through his word became so central in what was mm-hmm. happening do you recognize in your own heart there's a, a temptation that you can like mm-hmm. sense that lie of Satan that people are here more because of my personality sure and that you feel a, a, yeah, a temptation to give into that, to try to magnify that yeah. aspect, say things in a new, fresh way that's going to make you stand out from other preachers and pull yeah. people in. Does that, is that a part of your? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, just transparently, I think it's, and, and it's fed. I think even by well-meaning congregation yeah. members, you yeah. know, yeah. every compliment is. Uh, it's a, a battle in my idolatrous heart. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, that was a great sermon you preached, Pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, we'll have a visiting family in town, and though the church, my very loving church, they embrace everyone who comes in. And, oh, you're really, oh, you know, you hear the conversations they have about how much they love you as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course, I you want that, right? Yeah. Like, uh, because I also love this church. This yeah. is my family. Um, but every time there's a temptation to go, look, look what I'm doing here. Yeah. Um, and it's a battle to go, no, no, no. Like, this is all a grace of God. Yeah. You know, and, and, and recognizing, I think, a certain giftedness. Like, there's a tough balance to go, like, I, I think that I'm a, a gifted preacher. And I think it's okay to even acknowledge that God has given me that gift. And I, and I do think there is, like, I think God uses that because, um, he, we've talked about the idea of personality and Mm -hmm. how God does, you know, the scriptures were penned by all kinds of different men and their different personalities, Mm -hmm. um, that God used. And so like, there is some good there, but it's, it's when, it's when you allow yourself to believe that that's the reason yeah. That God is bringing a church to health, edifying and sanctifying the saints, um, and so I know that I personally battle that w- weekly. Yeah, it's just yeah. you know Spurgeon yeah. says I think it was Spurgeon, maybe it was Calvin uh, that said that you know our hearts are idol factories. Yeah, and uh, that's a big one for me. Yeah, you know because I, I do want to do well, I want to serve the Lord well. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's really. I appreciate you sharing that honestly, because I know it's in my heart too. 
And we would affirm that preaching is truth through personality, but the important word there is through. Preaching is not bringing them to my personality. The Lord will use Mm -hmm. my personality to bring them to his word. And so it's just, I think, good. I'd like to encourage anybody listening, especially any pastors, that um, if you feel like your personality is not that attractive... It doesn't matter. Put your yeah. faith in the Word of God. Yeah. If you feel like your personality is really attractive, then tell your heart, no, that doesn't matter. Put mm-hmm. your faith in the Word of God. That's the, Those are the options. Yeah. That's the competition. Don't let your personality compete with the Word of God yeah. here. Like Matt said, put yourself aside. You are nothing. Mm-hmm. Make your ministry something that magnifies God, and that's by making the Bible the largest part of what you say and mm-hmm. not just the things that you think are wise or crafty or cute. Yeah. Yeah, Ricky. How about you? A quick a quote you want to share that you thought was really good from that message? Encourage people to listen to. Yes. Let's see. You know, I think out of the gate, what I really enjoyed was, and this is in the this is the, this is the beginning of the sermon. He said, "Though the world may want us to value other things, we place all of our confidence in God's word for life and ministry." Mm. Uh, I alluded to the idea that we see it's more prevalent in larger cities um kind of would say physical or, or or philosophical sorry philosophical ideologies um are making their way into the church so we see things like new ageism is mm-hmm. becoming something that a lot of churches are moving towards it's and, and i think it's a grasp for maybe experiencing something supernatural yeah uh which i think ultimately stems from ignoring the fact that you know, all of the work of God and sanctification and salvation, justification and sanctification is it's supernatural work. Yeah. You know, through the ministry of the word. Yeah. Uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you see some of that. You see that there's a lot of um uh, I think infighting within the church regarding racial issues and injustice yeah. and those things. Um and so he ties this together when he quotes that passage in Colossians 2 about not being taken captive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Colossians. Am I correct? Yeah, that sounds right. Colossians I want to ma- make sure that I'm right. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, uh, but not being taken captive by uh, you know, empty philosophy. And, and uh, Paul even discusses the vanity of that. Mm-hmm. And that really just resonated with me, I think, because, again... And within my denomination right now, you know, I'm, a, I'm part of the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, I love my denomination. I think that God is doing so many amazing things, uh, but there is a lot of infighting right now, I think, mm-hmm. internally between us over um, things that Scripture is clear that the gospel and the Word of God uh, will fix yeah. and bring to completion, and we'll see, we'll see justice come yeah. to its end. Um, and so I just, I really appreciated that out of the gate, he just said, listen, this is our foundation. Yeah. The word of God. Yeah, that's right. That makes me think of, um, an important topic in a small town ministry. Is it possible for the world to be in the church? Mm. We yeah. don't, I think we don't ask that question very often because a lot of times in small towns, because the number is small, it ends up being a lot of your childhood friends together. Sure. It just feels like you could not draw lines between people without mm-hmm. just coming off. You, at least you'd feel like you're just being a jerk to mm-hmm. say like you are not yeah. being heavenly minded or maybe you don't even belong to the kingdom of God yet. You're mm-hmm. not even, you haven't been converted to Christianity. You're just trying to be a nice person and be sure. in your church. 
um, or in in our church. Um, and so you're saying that uh, that was kind of the language Matt often used. The world wants us to do these things. Yeah. Do you think there are times when we'll have members of our church who want worldly things from us, want worldly things from their pastor, that their expectations? And I don't even want you to speak to your experience at Weston because I I don't. Uh, if if you're facing that right now, that's probably sure. something you should do in-house. Yeah. But at least just thinking broadly, is it possible for the world to have infiltrated our church and then to set expectations on a pastor that are not from God? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I do think that some of the things I mentioned before, we, we think of the things where the the church, and the church at broad, I think, is trying to figure out how to handle racial injustice issues, for example. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I but I still think in the small town we're pretty guarded from that. Yeah. You know, most of, I would say even here in, in Weston, most of my congregation is aware of the things that are going on because I've made them privy to it. Yeah. Uh, just within, I think, church and Christendom. Uh, now, there are some things that they're experiencing in other areas of life. Yeah as well, where some of those conversations aren't happening. Uh, I think we're pretty guarded from some of the, the new age stuff that's coming. It's becoming more prevalent. I think it's always been there, mm-hmm. but it's just becoming more prevalent. But I think in areas of politics, for example, are where m- most small town churches are probably uh, susceptible to the world coming in. Yeah, you know, uh, and I think that we see that across the board in West in our Western culture. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we live in a beautiful country with, uh, you know, a democracy that allows for every voice to be heard and and to vote. But I think some of that has come into the church, and we forget a bit that uh, God's uh, design for the church is theocratic, yeah. not democratic. Mm-hmm. And so some of that has made its way in, and I think it's even confused us. Uh, a bit as evangelical Christians that uh, certain political parties, you know, you yeah. can't be a Christian if you don't think, and I know I can get in trouble for, for this because it's a controversial thing, yeah, right? But right. it's like, um, it, it, it detracts from the gospel, which is the mission of the church. Um, and I think too often our Christianity can be influenced by our politics and not our politics influenced by our Christianity. Yeah. And so I think, uh, in terms of you know just specific examples of things that, that I that I have seen, uh, broadly speaking, um, the world comes in through through that. Yeah. And there's I, I think that there's even been times I don't think I've experienced any pressure to specifically promote like maybe a certain political party or something, yeah. but. Uh, it's definitely come out in conversation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, those are real, live, hot topic issues right now. Sure. And yeah. so, uh, and we could do well. We shouldn't because we're young fools and don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. But we could do long podcasts trying to dig into those. And so, yeah, because they're such complex issues, I want to set them aside really quickly just to highlight, you know, that the world has always been seeking to infiltrate the church, and mm-hmm. so. Um, I'll, I'll use an example I heard of recently. There was, um, well, and, and my, my, my heart in, in kind of chasing this topic down is what if there's a guy out there who ends up hearing this podcast and something about what we've said starts to 
stir in him faith in God's word that he'd mm. kind of that had been weakened that he'd felt like God's word wasn't doing stuff it looked weak to me and my church did not want me doing that and so I've I've kind of gone back to I tell lots of funny stories so that everybody feels really involved and they're laughing and they they feel really happy after they leave church and that's that's maybe that's that's what I'm supposed to do but now that they've heard what we're talking about they're like no God's word can do so much more than that you're right mm-hmm. I should go back to it but if I do half my church is going to say stop mm-hmm. we hate what you've done don't change go back to what you were doing mm-hmm. why are you and so the story I can think of is one time uh, I I've recently heard of a pastor who read his sermon passage and someone watching the Facebook live video commented and said, why did you read that? We can read it on our own. Just tell us what you think about it. We don't even want to hear you read the word. Like what, why are you wasting our time with reading the passage? Cause we could, we could read our Bible on our own. Why did you, why are you wasting our time with that? Mm -hmm. If there's pastors out there who are afraid, they feel like, man, if I started making the Bible a larger portion of our teaching time, People are gonna, people are gonna lose interest. I'm gonna lose numbers, and that's really fearful in a small church too, because each sure. person is a much higher percentage of your church. Mm-hmm. There is a, an additional temptation in small town churches that a big church doesn't feel. You know, a big church can say, you know what, if I preach the gospel true and I, I just make more of God's word, and we lose 50 people, that might only be five percent of our church. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah. If you lose 50 people of my church, you have a negative church because yeah, we have yeah. fewer than that. You know, yeah, like um, we don't have that, that we can't be flippant for those reasons. We can't disregard that for right. those reasons. We would have to disregard it because we believe this is the right thing to do regardless mm-hmm. of the results. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, if there were, if you, you know, know of a, if you, if you can picture a pastor that's thinking, I can't do this because my church wouldn't want it. Yeah. How would you encourage him? To see, you know what, like, would you, would you say, listen, be open to the fact, the, the possibility that your church is full of the world? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I mean, everything that we've discussed before, what, so what is then, what do you do with that yeah. as these ideologies creep into the church and you yeah. feel that pressure? You come back to the Word of God, yeah. and this is where, which is where we, we began. I, I've always found it interesting in Jesus's ministry he would gather these large crowds. But the minute he started to preach the gospel, you know, he, he would begin to talk about righteousness. Um, the crowds always thinned. Yeah. You know, and I think that comes back to where we began. It's, you know, for the wisdom of God is folly to yeah. the natural man. And I think in some ways, if we are to put gospel at the center of our preaching, at the center of our pulpits, at the center of our church life, and uh, come back to that missionary endeavor that we have been given to go there for and make disciples, and we're to operate in God's power, we are going to experience opposition. And and there are going to be people in God's sovereign knowledge that uh, will either push back or leave. And uh, that can be discouraging I think especially in a small church mm-hmm. as as people who fall away uh, and, I, and I think of I think it's especially discouraging just because we we are in the business of soul care and we know that the most nourishing thing for the soul is the gospel mm-hmm. and uh, 
my encouragement would be to just where we began keep trudging forward keep moving forward keep your foundation there yeah um and remember that it is god's power yeah that's where we began with with this whole study with matt was uh you know it's not dependent on your craftiness it's not dependent on your power but the power of the holy spirit that's right to uh, sanctify and edify the saints yeah i loved this uh from matt several times throughout the the message he said the word of god is powerful and effective I don't know what it's going to do in this situation, but I know it's the truth. Mm-hmm. That phrase several times, I don't know what it's going to do. Yes. That I thought really helped highlight and encourage, would encourage, encourages me and would encourage anybody out there who's thinking, I know I need to make God's word more part of this, but I'm going to lose half the congregation. So let me find some kind of compromise. Mm. Him saying, I don't know what effect it's going to bring mm-hmm. helps us see because the effect is not up to us. Yeah. That's not that's not supposed to come into the equation for us. Oh mm-hmm. no, if I make the Bible my main passage and explaining the Bible the main thing I do, 80% of my church is just going to leave. That's not up to us. Yeah. That's not something we we could pray against that ask the Lord, please if there are worldly unbelieving people in my church when I switch to the Bible, convert them and save them, don't let them run from that. Mm-hmm. We could pray for it. But I just thought that was a really humble thing for him to keep saying and helped me see, like, you're right. Yeah. I have no idea what God's Word's going to do. It's going to do something incredibly glorious and powerful and effective. And I have no idea what that is. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the result will be. Yeah. And that's not up to me. I'm just called to be faithful to keep preaching the Word. Preach it over and over. Make God's Word the foundation of everything we do. Yeah. And let Him... If he wants it to be revival, and if he wants us to be a Jeremiah, you know, prophesying to a rebellious people till judgment comes, right? Let him be glorified by that, right? Don't become one of those who are going to be judged along with them because you decided mm-hmm. I'd rather have a crowd around me, and mm-hmm. so I'm going to say things that bring crowds, yeah, and leave the word of God, yeah, amen, yeah. Let me uh because we we could keep talking. This has already been way too long. Let me close us with uh, um, just a good quote that I... Unless, do you have any other good quotes, any final thoughts that you would like to share about this message, encourage people to listen to? It depends on what your closing (laughs) quote is. Because I I do have one really good quote that... But if you're going to close with it, then then it's a moot point. (laughs) Okay. Um, Um, You know what? Why don't you go ahead and share your quote? Because I think I got to share two basically already. So you share yours as the closing quote. And if you want any final comments, you can share those too. Well, so just it was very encouraging to me when he said, The lion of the tribe of Judah often looks like a lamb who was slain. And he related that to the Word of God. It often looks small, yeah, but it is so powerful. Yeah, yeah. So, so good, folks listening. Please, uh, if you were willing to spend forty-five minutes listening to us talk about <laughs> this, <laughs> that's really kind of you. But please go over to the website and listen to Matt's message. I hope it would be yes. an encouragement to you, like it was to us, and just encouraging us to be faithful to the Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. and trust him for the results. His word is sufficient for life and godliness. We have all we need there. Thanks, Ricky, for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah.